Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Hey everyone, you're listening to Leverage Masters. I'm your host, Andrea Adams-Miller. My co-host, Dr. Gina Gaudio-Grace, will be with us in about uh, halfway through the show today. And I'm really excited because we were talking about uh, several different things with our guest from last week, Brandy Shampoo, um, who's with Exploring Expression. And she has a, another book that we were discussing after the hour with her last week, talking about, originally we were talking about, you know, we want to raise, um, you know, students who are learners, you know, for life, people who are excited about knowing more knowledge and more information and how they can have and explore their expression throughout their lifetime uh, through uh, knowledge and information. And uh, in that conversation afterwards, Brandy and I were talking about her new book, Hearing is Not Enough. And we really were talking about how people hear and with communication. And right now we're at a pivotal point in our society with communication, especially when it comes to um, political unrest and, um, you know, people are getting divorced over fighting over politics. Um, You know, people are dying over politics right now um, because of the movements um, and how people react to what they hear on the news, what they hear each other say. And, you know, really she's um, discussing with people in her new book that it's not about just hearing, it's about actually listening and what that skill set really means to be able to listen at a different level. So I'm going to bring her on and I'm going to uh, share a little bit more information about her that um, maybe you guys uh, may not remember from last week, especially if you're just joining us for the first time. So, you know, Brandy is a really unique person because she has this skill set to understand uh, learners and readers and who they are. And she writes curriculum in uh, multiple different disciplines about how people can really have a better understanding. So she is the founder of Exploring Expression. She's a multiple time author and she helps parents, caregivers, or educators of K through 12 students become the very best expression of themselves so that they can make learning fun, easy, and natural, not just for children, but for themselves as well. She herself has had an interesting life. She's been over, she's overcome multiple challenges from homelessness, domestic uh, violence, um, pregnancy-induced heart failure, and devastating natural disasters. And she knows how to rise from the ashes. She's very resilient. In fact, she has survived and now lives her best expression. Again, she's a speaker, author, and curriculum developer, and a trained communicator with over 20 years of experience in teaching and developing curriculum and other resources for diverse audiences. And so when we were talking about, you know, what's going to be going on here with our politics and our world, we thought, how can we not address this right now and really give people a clear concept of what's happening in the world? So welcome to the show, Brandy. Yay! I'm so glad to have you here again. So Tell me when, you know, when you decided to do, you know, hearing is not enough, like what, what really led you to be at the brink of like, okay, I've got to share this information. So, um, so this book is actually a collaboration between myself and Nancy Holt, um, my business partner, and we work a lot with adults and with parents and with groups. And we both come from a background of having worked, um, you know, in, in government arenas. And as we were watching what was happening in families and, and in the world, you know, we really started looking at what is the underlying issue. And the underlying issue, you know, to, to me, always has to come back to communication. So why we're not communicating with ourselves, our, our families, the people, the relationships, the many relationships that we have in our lives. Because 
relationship and communication go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other, right? You can't have true communication without a relationship. You can't have a relationship without communication. Exactly. And, and so once we started looking at that combination, you know, we decided that um, this is something that we want to talk about. And this is something that we want to, in order to help people become their best expression, we have to talk about how to communicate. And so often we discover that people want to talk. You know, and one of the whys that we talk about, you know, we have a whole section on why do we listen. And one of the biggest ones that we're finding is a lot of people listen so that the other person will listen to them. So it's and reciprocal only because they want to be heard, not necessarily because they care what the person says. Right. And, so and, they're and just kind of like, wait. having another business where I talk about personal relationships and professional relationships. By the way, um, you already know that I wrote a book on conflict resolution for people who have developmental disabilities because often it's difficult for them to be able to portray their own voice um, because they're already in a situation where they're limited in their ability to talk or to stand up for themselves. And, um, and, you don't have to have a developmental disability to have given your power to someone else or have someone else stand in power over you and what you have to say. And so it's how do we exert ourselves so that we can be heard and how do we receive the respect to be heard by listening to others as well? And I, I think that, you know, so many people say, well, they're not talking in a way that I can understand them. Mm. And, you know, but we, in the book, we ask the opposite question is, are you listening to what they're saying? Are you listening, you know, and have you ever seen a sentence, Brian? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I was just talking about that last night. I have, but I don't remember it. So go ahead and, and help, we'll help the audience because not everybody's seen it anyway. So give them the premise of it and, and why you're relating to that particular book. It's a fantastic movie and even better book, right? And it's about a lady who gets kidnapped and her, her true love ends up being the Dread Pirate Roberts who's going after her and, you know, hilarious, hilarious movie. But there's a villain in that movie who keeps saying inconceivable. It's like everything is inconceivable. And he's having a discussion with one of his henchmen. Um, and the guy says, I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> and, and and phrases like that stick with me. I'm, I'm very um, in tune with picking out single phrases out of books and movies because as we're listening to each other, you know, a lot of times I find myself going, I don't think that means what you think that's meaning. And so the question becomes, am I listening to what I think that means or am I listening to what the speaker is intending it to mean? Mm. And that can cause so many conflicts. In the world, you know, it, when you think about the state of politics today, as we're listening to people, are we hearing through our paradigm, through our viewpoint, or are we hearing what they're intending to say? Well, I would say most of the time we're only saying what we have to say and only listening to ourselves. <laughs> Uh, especially in our political arena right now. And, and it's a skill. 
you know, and, that, and that's why, you know, that's why we have the book, because listening, just like anything, you know, if you want to play baseball, and you want to be a good baseball player, I say baseball, which I know nothing about, but if you want to be a good baseball player, you have to play baseball and practice it. You know, my, my smallest, I call him my smallest boy, uh, my youngest son does competitive dance, mm-hmm. and he said dance five to seven days a week, dancing every day, practicing his skill to be the best dancer he can be, right? Right. So if we want to be a good listener and to build these relationships, we need to practice that skill. And we need to put the effort, as much effort into listening as we do in the talking. Uh, Yeah. So, so, I love that you, first of all, I love that your son is being able to explore his expression of his voice through dance as well. Because dance, I think, gives people, um, from my opinion and from my experience, is when we're able to dance or do theater where we include dance. Um, It is an expression of your voice. It may not be with words, but it is how you present yourself. And I do feel like you can be heard differently when people watch you. Um, And uh, and so I really think it brings a different level to, um, you know, whatever musical piece or dance piece that they're doing, each child, each person, adult who's dancing has that different expression. So they communicate something different. Um, you know, the skill is getting them all to communicate the same message together on stage through dance, which often is um, the same thing that you want for a business is you want the team to have the same message uh, so that they're, um, if they're working in the same company or the same business, do they have the same mission, the same goals and values that they're expressing together? So can you kind of go through some tools for us that can help people um, start to take on that skill set and be more aware of what they're, what they're contributing or not contributing to a conversation that allows them to maybe misperceive what's happening? Well, um, the first thing that I would recommend is to, everybody has a dominant listening style. You know, some people are, are people-oriented. They're more interested in, in learning about the person and really what they're talking about. Some people are time-oriented, where it's more, you know, say what you're going to say, I have other things to do. And we've all met people like that. Yeah. Um, some people are task-oriented or content-oriented. And I actually have a quiz that, that goes along with the book that um, helps you discover what your dominant listening style is. Because in order to learn about others, we have to know ourselves. Mm. Right? We, we have to... Um, what is the people in glass houses? We have, to, we have to know ourselves before we can understand how we interact with other people. And so, so the first thing I tell people in my book is that find out what your dominant listening style is, because then if you know that, you can understand how you instinctively react. And so you can alter that and work on your weaknesses. But you have to know what they are first. Mm. And then I say, you know, I say, Discover your why. Why are you wanting to listen in this moment? Because your why will lead to your how. There's many different types of listening that we engage in, right? Um, Whether it's um, um, listening for enjoyment or listening to remember or listening to the relationship or emphatic listening, you know. But that's determined by why we are listening in that moment. Mm. And how the relationship moves along a continuum, so like an acquaintance, right? So like a professor or something you hear on the news, or if you go to a speech, right? You know that person. They're not a family member. They're not, you know, they're not your children or your spouse or professional. So you have to start by saying, well, why are I listening to this person? What do I hope to get out of it? Because that will determine what kind of tools, how you listen, and how you engage in the listening process. And then there's all sorts of tools that we give in the book that talk about, you know, what to do if you find your attention straying, or how to give appropriate feedback, because, you know, half of the communication loop 
of Ada. Mm-hmm. And even when you're in a situation, you know, one of the examples I give is um, the Smith's son in the college, um, in his college class. And how do you get feedback in that situation? Um, because what the center needs, the center needs you to tell them whether it's non-verbally, whether it's verbally, whether it's through your, you know, through your friends or whatever you're doing, they need you to tell them that you're catching what they are throwing mm-hmm. in the spirit of how they threw it. Otherwise, how would they know to change, to change their delivery method if you don't tell them that you're not understanding? So a lot of times what we have in society is we have people not quite getting the message and then walking away mad. <laughs> Very often. Very often with that. And, um, and so those of you who, you know, a lot of times I want, I, I have to giggle because at the beginning of these shows, I wish, uh, for me, in fact, maybe I can create this cause I do have a monitor. So when I'm interviewing people on the show, I'm also putting things out live on Facebook and because where I need to look at the screen, where I need to look at you is where I'm looking right now and where my eyes need to be so that I can see what I'm writing to send it to share this information with other people. Um, I, first of all, my eyes are down. So if I could type so that my eyes either saw right past it or beside it, then I could still look like I'm looking at you because now I look like I'm not even paying attention at all, uh, which I am. Um, however, because I'm not focused on you, you're right. I am half listening um, because I have to split my focus to be able to get this information out and um, still hear what you're saying and converse back and forth with you. And it is a challenge um, for a lot of people to be able to do that. Um, I have a little special gift. There's only, um, you know, apparently only one to 2% of people in the world who can actually multitask. And um, I think that comes actually for me, I have, it's called a disability or a um, well, I guess this is how it's phrased. Um, it's called auditory processing disorder. And so that means um, you hear everything. So it's hard to discriminate on which thing you should actually be listening to. But because I hear everything, I can shift my listening to which thing that I need to hear. And then I'm able to hear other pieces and parts through um, uh, through the filter, and then I'm able to recall what I heard, even though I wasn't listening. And so I have this little crazy, like, at the same time. So while I can multitask, and that is very rare for people able to do, even in multitasking for people who are highly skilled, it, there is a a short blip of information that happens that you, you lose. So you might lose half of a word. And so your mind has to make an assimilation to assume what filled in that space to complete the conversation. So there always is a bit of missing, um, you know, for everyone. So people who aren't skilled in multitasking, there's a whole lot of missing. <laughs> and uh, so we just want you to be aware of that. So how can you um, do different things in your world so that you can um, help communicate with other people and help share and help talk? But how do you keep your focus? So, um, so Brandy, I suppose that we should probably go over some general tips for people is a lot of times people will look at their phone while they're talking to a friend or a loved one or a business client and even seeing your phone, even if it's just laying there and you see the light shine, it is a distraction where your mind for a moment stops listening and it's paying attention to what's here. And well, called, um, we call them barriers to listening with noise. You know, in a lot of communication diagrams, it's being referred to as noise. And it's all of those things that distract you from listening. Which, you know, there's several. It could be internal. It could be, you know, your foot is itching. Have you ever, have you ever been in a meeting and, and um, gotten unallergic to the bites from the little, any, um, little invisible bugs we have here in Georgia? Ah. Uh. And so, 
sometimes, and they itch, 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 itch. And I'll be sitting here in these meetings if I've forgotten to put my wrist cream on them, and my foot and my leg will just be itching terribly, and I'm trying so hard to focus on what's being said and on what my sender, what the sender is trying to send me in communication. But all I really want to think about is, my goodness, my leg itches or something along those lines, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, or a lot of people, you know, in meeting rooms, they have those fluorescent lights that, that blink or that waver. Have you ever had seen those? Um, well, um, pretty much everybody who's like, so here I've got a ring light, I've got two different lights, and then I've got my regular light. Um, all of these have a flicker in them. And so if, if anybody who's sitting any under any light, especially fluorescent lighting, they're not aware of it, but it's doing that. And our computers are doing that. That's why if you go to take a picture of your laptop or your monitor, it looks so wavy. It's because it's constantly moving. And people have no idea that that is literally a distraction as well. I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, you know, um, I've been through a lot of landmark courses and in landmark, they really showed us how our preconceived thoughts and notions about people and who they are, our bias, you know, all the, you know, what you've mentioned, uh, we put upon people which already limit their ability to hear us because we literally set them up for whatever intention we put upon them. So if we say they're a difficult person, uh, we may subconsciously all of a sudden become more difficult to be heard because we are now difficult to be heard. Um, it's quite interesting how uh, we, we literally create the things that we don't want for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We make assumptions based on our own, and everybody does. You know, we make assumptions based on what we've been through. Right. You know, it, it's, it's kind of like the old um, falling off a horse and you only get back on a horse. And, and I, I know myself. I tend to be one of those people. If I have a terrible experience, you know, there's a reason I don't go on a music park where we're supposed to ride. Thank you. 
Definitely. And we have to, it has to be an intentional act. And this is what hearing your guide to being a better listener is all about, is how can we hone that skill so that we can work our way around those barriers and work through them so that we can, you know, form better relationships and relationships are continuing. You have your acquaintance out there, and then you have your, like, romantic and your children and your sisters over here. All in between are everybody you ever come in contact with or somewhere on this continuum. And our goal should be to move people from acquaintance in this direction, not the other way. Right. So let's um, well let's remind people what they're listening to. You're listening to Leverage Masters Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host Andrea Adams Miller, and my co-host Dr. Gina Gaudio Grace will be with us shortly. And today we're interviewing Brandy Shampoo from Exploring Expression. She has a new book coming out. When hearing is not enough, and or well, it's just called When. Or I keep saying When. The book is called <laughs> Hearing is Not Enough. A guide to being a better listener. And I keep saying it in a sentence, which causes me to say the word when. Hearing is not enough. Hearing is not enough is the title of the book. So you talk about listening with your eyes. So tell us more about that. Give us some, let's, let's practice it. <laughs> um, most of what, most of what we take in as communication is non-verbal. Most of what we listen to is nonverbal communication, right? Um, somebody's mannerisms, are they looking at you? How are they sitting? Are they, how's their posture? Is it open? Is it closed? Is it all of these things. And so what listening is with your eyes, what that chapter is all about is how we can pay attention to all of the things that the person isn't saying, that is also communication. You know, um, and it's funny, somebody, my older son has autism, and one of the things that he struggles with, and has always struggled with, is he really has no concept of sarcasm. Mm. And so when somebody says something to him, to him, he feels at face value. He doesn't really get nuances. He doesn't, you know. And so if, if he asks you a question, if, you know, if he asks, are we going to go to the men's day? And you're like, of course, buddy, we're going to go to the men's day. To him, I just said, absolutely, we're going to go to the mountain. Mm-hmm. Right? And so he's looking, oh, how are we going to do that? Is there a, a new bus or a train? Or, or do we, does mom have tickets for a rocket? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> so we do that with everybody that we communicate with. You know, and, and there's some cultures, like in some cultures, pointing at somebody is extremely offensive. And if we're not aware of these things, aware of these differences, and watching for how some, I mean, when you're talking to somebody, especially in small groups, if you're watching them, you can tell when they turn off. So, so listening with your eyes and nonverbal communication is not just how they are communicating nonverbally, but what are we saying through our feedback? Because most, like, 90% of our feedback is going to be nonverbal. Are we looking at them? Are we nodding? Are we paying attention? Are we and are we showing them that we're listening? So for me, I tend to show people I'm listening by making sounds or words or phrases that I'm like, oh yeah. Hmm. And my husband is the kind of person he'll go. Because <laughs> in his mind, I have just interrupted him. And, and, <laughs> and even though we've been together 25 years, I was 26. It's like, I don't remember that. I choose not to remember that. <laughs> and he chooses to forget that that is all I'm saying. Ah. That, that's it. I, you, you can actually still just keep talking. That was the only interruption I was going to do. You know, and so it's quite funny. And then I have a, a business partner where he needs to, if it's, if it's a joke or something's funny, uh, then there's banter. But if it's business, 
I have to hear him out completely to the very end, which uh, for me is challenging uh, because I might need clarification and I don't know how to get in. I, and then I, I'm like, okay, especially like if I'm driving or something, it's not like I can take a note and I'm like, crap, I don't know what that was. How do I get clarification for that? Here, I want to let everybody know that Dr. Gina Gaudio-Grace has been able to join us. I don't know if she was able to hear or listen in while um, she was attending to other business, but um, just to give uh, you all a recap of where we're at and what's going on and to fill Dr. Gina in, uh, we want to remind you, you're listening to the Leverage Masters. Today, we're interviewing Brandy Shampoo. She was on with us last week about exploring expression. However, we specifically were talking about a new book she has coming out, Hearing is Not Enough. And we were talking about politics and how, how the communication through our news and through our media with the responses of how people are reacting to what's um, being precipitated, is that the right word, or um, assumed as what might happen politically um, and how people are going to respond that day and the day after to this is what's been shared. This is what's not been shared. This is what's happening or not happening and how people um, can listen and hear the information without being reactionary um, or how can they choose their reactions rather than being gut reactions. And uh, so that's kind of what we're sharing. So Dr. Gina Gaudio-Grace at any point, if you want to jump in, just go ahead and jump in and that would be great. And speaking of listening, oh, hi, uh, uh, Brandy, you can see once in a while that she's listening to something from the side and that's because she uh, homeschools her children and her son is at home and he uh, although he appreciates mom um, is on the radio and 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 on zoom and has the show um, he has something to say too <laughs> and so um, and the thing is is Brandy we're totally okay with that if you ever need to just go on mute and go off camera a second you'll notice that I do that once in a while I I need to take a drink or I, I need to cough or something I just turn both of my things off, I'm off a second, and then I'm just back here. Um, so we uh, totally can accommodate that and, and work around. So Dr. Gina, how are you doing? And uh, what are your feelings about us listening and communicating in the world? I am awesome. And I don't read this and or watch the news on it. <laughs> I try and keep it out of my life as much as I possibly can. My mom gives me my daily update, even that's sometimes too much for me. So, so that's perfect. So you have found a way to control what you hear and what information you're going to listen to. <laughs> so it sounds like if it's too much, you're like, okay, mom, heard enough about that story. <laughs> I Great idea. Great idea. Yeah, there's nothing more depressing than um, eating and then uh, like I'll, I'll be some, especially at an airport and, and they'll have a CNN thing okay. on and I'm like every 10 minutes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've seen that same family massacred like 20 times now. Okay, I think I've been infiltrated enough, you know, with the ickiness of something that I can't do anything about or handle. So, um, uh, Gina, uh, Brandy has uh, a new book coming out, Hearing is Not Enough. And she really talks about the different kinds of listening skills. Gina, what have you noticed in business that maybe Brandy can address that um, that you've um, seen um, a lot of our clients or um, people who work with our clients, you know, or, or people that we choose not to have as clients based on their listening and communication abilities? <laughs> it's been interesting having been in business now for close to 25 years. When we first, my first got started in business, we didn't have things like Zoom and video conferencing. It just didn't exist yet. And so I started out using audio, and my preference today for business communications is still audio. And very rarely see me on video for that very reason. But so much of our world is just not willing to even tune in unless it's video today. Why is that? And what is that doing for people? 
We're talking a lot of ways of giving people the ability from afar to read those nonverbal cues. I mean, I remember, I remember when the Jetsons. You remember the Jetsons? George Jetsons. And the idea when that when that show was popular of being able to have a conversation with people and look at them, you know, have that video call. Well, now the future is now, and, and we're able to. <coughs> I wanted to, I'm trying to remember because I had done, because you're correct. Um, uh, most of the world believes that they are multitaskers and they're not. And um, I took a test years ago um, uh, before my first traumatic brain injury and my ability to process things at the same time was phenomenal. So I could be doing a task and complete another task, and they both tax, tax, I can't even say the word now. But um, so see, now now that I've had two TBIs, I can't even talk <laughs> and think at the same time. 
Um, but it has limited that ability to do that. And um, that is something that's been very challenging to me because I lost some of that skill set. And my husband teases because he noticed, you know, my whole family noticed the difference in me afterwards. And, um, and uh, my husband said, well, you're just, you know, like a normal, a highly average normal person now. And to me, that was like devastating dev to lose that skill set of this high, 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 and I can still do it now, but now it comes as, um, a taxing and, and now there's more of an, that interrupt because you're, there is a little shift in a gear. Like I said, you're, it's, it's like a little drop out of sound when you're, when your phone is pinging from one tower to another, you might get that little a little brief interruption. And uh, the more that that happens, you know, when we look at brain patterns and so forth, where we have, um, where our minds fill in the missing gaps. Now we fill in the missing gaps all the time. I mean, that's one of the really cool things that they've learned about the brain is if we look at an image, um, part of the image may not be there. Um, that's why if people put an image on, um, on like a fan blade and then it's spinning, our minds will take these separate images and make it one whole because we'll fill in the missing so well that we can see things that are not there. And then we don't see things that are right there because our focus is on something else. And so therefore we can't see the other thing. That's why all those Warshack tests are so cool. And all those, do you see the witch or do you see the young woman in the black and white, you know, uh, perception pictures that they always show in, uh, when I taught psychology and abnormal psychology. And that's what's really interesting is the more we learn about science and the more we learn about um, atoms and um, our visual ability, uh, our hearing ability, um, what are we missing and what are we not missing? Specifically right now, um, I'm noticing not just with myself, and I've always had this challenge, the masks that we're using nowadays, um, it's extremely difficult for me to communicate now. I find myself um, getting uh, short with people. I, I, I'm always looking at them like, like I'm in pain and people think I'm mad. It's because I am concentrating on trying to hear them because I can't see their mouth. I, I need to see people's mouths to communicate. So Gina, for me, what I love being on video because I can pick up different things, um, especially if a person has a speech impediment or they're from another country. If I can't hear the beginning and end consonants to words, I struggle. And, um, uh, and so right now, a mask like this to me is so limiting and I have to rely on so many other verbal cues. And if they're distracted and looking at a phone or talking to someone else, I, I don't have those cues and I am hurting. Um, so it, yeah. So I love the plastic shields uh, so much better. Um, uh, and, and so, uh, and so I've been reading a lot of studies about this. I agree with you on that, so I actually wear a plastic shirt Oh, good. Yeah, I think it helps with people being able to hear us better. I, I don't have one. I, I've been thinking about getting one. Um, uh, if you do get one, get the one that's for glasses. The shield snaps onto the temples of the glasses. So much more comfortable. I bought the one that went, had the band around your head and Oh, it's horrible. I could not keep it on for more than 10 minutes. Yeah, I'm not a hat visor person. I have seen the one that, like, sits on your chin. I've thought about that one. I, don't, I didn't like that one either. But the one with the glasses is the most I do think the one that goes down looks more protective because the one that goes <laughs> up, I feel like it's a bowl. Like, oh, let's just float it in the top. Exactly and the... <laughs> I like, and I'd actually feel the wind blowing down it from time to time. The one that I do have to laugh that with the masks, I, I've always been really funny about hot air around my face. And so I'm like, I'm like, and I'll literally tell it you're, you're breathing on my face. You know, now I'm like, I'm breathing on my face. It's just very funny. It's just very funny how different things, our reactions and our sensitivities to things. And, and uh, for me, my whole life, I've had this thing about having things on my face. And so uh, I, I really ugh, 
fight that, but it's the communication. Especially in these times where so many people are recovering now, you know, we're having to relearn how to listen to people and how to communicate with people because we've lost some of that, some of that, you know, now that everybody's so distant, my daughter goes to college and she's really struggling um, because they moved to college completely online. Even though, you know, she has these video lectures and this and that, she doesn't have that person-to-person communication with her professors. Yeah. And, and for her personally, she needs that, that you know, she needs that humanness without the, techn- you know, the intervention of technology between them. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if you add that and then add in math and everybody being separate, communication is harder now than ever. You know, we... We do have the benefit of being able to do video meetings and this and that. And, and don't get me wrong, I love working from home. However, it, it's the difference in how a team functions and how people function from a distance through Zoom and, and how people, you know, how people function one-on-one looking at each other. You know, that's, that's why as a company, as soon as the world opens back up in the spring, God willing, you know, if more expression is going on the road and we're going to these different events and all of these things because nothing beats human connection. You can't, you know, as many, as many Zoom meetings and Facebook meetings and this and that and emails and phone calls in the world, still not getting all the communication pieces. Mm-hmm. And whether it's verbal or non-verbal, you know, I taught my kids early. Most of my sons are born deaf, so, so we've learned other ways of, of communicating. Neither of them are now, you know, thank goodness. But one of the things I taught my children basic sign language. Mm. Good. So that, and a lot of times when you'll see me do this, what I'm doing is I'm signing to them to come to do something, right, um, so that I can focus. Because especially as parents, I think a lot of times, a lot of times it's so easy with those closest to us to not truly listen. And and you think it be the other way around that we listen more to those closest to us. But I found that you know if you go and listen to a speaker, you're going to be like this, and you're going to be listening to them. However, if your significant other where your partner, where your children come and are talking to you, you know, how often do you say, you know, stop and turn and say what can I do? And I tell my kids this all the time, you know, especially if I'm in the middle of something, I'll say, give me a minute to finish what I'm doing so that I can listen to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's almost like we take them for granted. Yeah, that, that, um, that is a huge issue. Um, you know, one of one of the things too is that I'm discovering with NLP and hypnosis is removing um, removing different layers of things that trigger me to feel sad or unloved or unimportant, um, like um, being avoided or what you know, or not being listened to or not somebody not having time. And I have to release all of those things because. Just because if someone's called me and only has three minutes to talk to me, they have called me because they have an intention to share something with me. And um, I, in the past, have gotten upset that I, that no time was allotted for me to respond. And then I don't have a chance to respond. And so um, I would just be hurt by that. Where now I'm like, I make note of that. And then I reach out to the person and say, I have responses based on what you said. Um, when do you want to hear them? And, and then I have a choice of they're like, well, never, you know, then I, then I probably could be upset, you know, cause I'm like, wow, that, you know, maybe, or so maybe I shouldn't even listen to begin with if that's going to upset me, but at least now I can, um, get out of the emotion of it and not take that personal. And, you know, and, and that's been amazingly helpful. Dr. Gina, did you have any other um, questions that you'd like to bring up or things that you'd like to address from your experiences? No, all right. You can continue. You're doing good. Cool. Thanks. Um, 
So, uh, Brandy, when it comes to uh, the media, uh, you and I were talking about this earlier today, the media often brings up huge pain points and uh, repetitive pain points and makes everything, I mean, mean, it's been a joke for years that they, you know, use in comedy and so forth, like, oh my God, is your child a fearing being killed this Halloween season? Well, before they used to do that every year, and now this year, (laughs) they might have some legitimacy to that, Um, you know, and um, um, our town at this point is still doing trick-or-treat, this is our, that is our favorite holiday of the whole entire year. Uh, we live for that day. Um, that is very important to us um, uh, of getting together and going around and, and doing that. Super important to us. And, um, uh, but in the past, that was the, you know, every year, that was the fear. There was some crazy thing about, you know, night safety or um, stranger danger or whatever. You know, it was just like, oh, my God, you're going to trick or treat. You're going to die. You know, that was the thing. Or killer bees. Ah, killer bees in America. You're going to die. You know, everything, you're going to die. You're drinking coffee now. You're going to die. <laughs> you know, and now you're not drinking coffee. You're going to die. You know, <laughs> so there's always this urgency of, oh, my gosh, I have to watch the news so I can avoid death. Um, and so our media has really gotten to the point where people are um, to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. Um, you know, that's a matter of, of um, economic theory that you sell what people will buy, right? And, and sensationalism sells. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to do now, and we know that. I mean, I mean, as, as rational beings, we know that. So as listening people, we need to listen with that caveat in mind. We need to listen knowing that they're going to leave Facebook headlines, and it's probably not until the second or third paragraph that we're really going to get to what the story is about. Right. But are we still going to be listening by the time we get there? And, and unfortunately, that's what happens is people hear part of the news, and then they take that part the sensationalism, the exaggeration, and then they share that. And then the telephone starts with that, that old game of telephone where we pass that information on. And, and it's funny that they call it telephone, but we're still using our phone. So whether you're TikToking it, Snapchatting it, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing, you're still doing it on your phone or on your computer. And we're passing that information on to get more information. And then that's where um, emotions and um, uh negativity are incited because um, people uh, then take that information and they're already in heightened um, response, fight or flight. And then, so what other, other information they hear automatically is offensive and like they can't even hear it anymore um, or, or see it. So, and, and that's what I'm finding is uh, with our listening or with our hearing it's not just with our ears, but it's also with our eyes. So now we're seeing limited information and we don't know what's happening out over here. So, um, you know, I can look really mean. And in fact, I have a funny story. Um, I worked for some people years ago and, um, they had an event after I no longer worked for them where my picture is on the backdrop of all these other people from all these countries. I'm a photographer and I work with a photographer and we did photography for them. So I know they have really good pictures of me because those are my pictures, my pictures, good, good pictures. And there were other videographers there who took excellent video of me and Somehow they got this picture of me. It looks like it's frozen from a video of me singing. That's what I think it's from. But I'm going, I mean, this horrible, the ugliest face I could come up with. And they put it on their banner. And so everybody that had their picture taken, everybody who spoke, every video, I'm in the upper corner, like up here, in this mean, horrid face. 
So if you look at that face, I look like this mean bitch of a person. Super intense, nasty. But I'm probably singing because I remember singing at that event. And so if I'm singing, you know, that face makes perfect sense that I'm holding this note of passion in my face that looks like pain. So if you only saw that blip, I look like this horrible person. But if you could see the whole picture, if you could hear the rest of what I'm saying, then you say, oh, Andre's singing a beautiful song about how she cares about people and really, really loves them. And that's what we're limited with our communication now is we only get to see what people choose to show us. And then after we've seen this, even if we see the rest of it, we now can't see any of what's really there or what's well, I, not there. I don't know if necessarily we can, but we choose not to look for it. You know, we, we Thank teach you. children, we teach children and stuff how to evaluate the sources when they're doing research papers, how to evaluate sources. Right. And I think as adults, we need to do the same thing. You know, there's different sources, and I talk about in my book um, that your why will will lead to your how you listen. And if we're just listening to enjoy, for example, the, the what is it, the sun, the, the, the newspaper magazine you get to check out lines like, so and so, had an alien baby. You know, yeah. That, that magazine? Yeah. Okay. People don't read that for, for content. They don't employ critical thinking when they read those. They don't thought, right? Right. <clears throat> and, but what's Most happening is we're, we're listening to these people, but we're not listening critically. We're not we're not listening to really hear what they're saying and then make our own judgments upon it. Mm-hmm. To really make the judgments you have to have the facts. Right. And and that's one thing, you know, and, and as I told you, exploring fashion is not a it's not a political company. So we don't we don't we're we're all inclusive. We don't uh, we don't jump from one side to another. But we do say and what I talk about in my book is that we have a duty to listen to people. When people are taking the time to send us communications, we have just as much of a role in that communication as they do. And what's happening in our world, I think, is we put all the onus on the sender. That, that they should send it the way we best receive it. They should just rain man up and come when, when we have 50% of the responsibility for whether or not this communication and this relationship moves, moves closer or moves farther apart, and that's dependent on how well we listen to each other, not just how well we speak to each other. Fantastic information. So we've been talking with Brandy Shampoo on the left. The Leverage Masters Show. And the new way we do this, you guys all get to hear our um, our warning information, which is fine and fun. You know, we just figure it all out. And um, you can check out more about Brandy and what she's doing in her world at www. Wait, I forget. Do you have the W's or no W's? No W's. No W's. We're going to fix that. Um, <laughs> exploringexpression.com. Exploringexpression.com. And our co-host, Dr. Dr. Gina Gaudio-Grace. You can check out more information about her in Duvizio at www.duvizio.com. And I'm Andrea Adams Miller, theredcarpetconnection.com. And we want to thank our sponsor for the show. It's opus.finance, O-P-E-S.finance. They're creating a globalized, decentralized system to um, help the world um, have their own choices and make their own decisions for the people, by the people. Enough is enough. And we uh, thank you so much for being here to join us today. Any parting words from you, Gina or Brandon? Fantastic show. And Andrea, what am I going to get to say? And my co-host. Dr. Andrea Adams Miller. Oh, very soon, very soon. And on that, I'll play our outro and we'll catch you guys next week, same time, same place. 
Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. Thank <laughs> you.